I said to Lori, how do I know when it's my turn? She said, it's your turn. <laughs> so, Merry Christmas, everyone. Welcome here. It's so good to see a full house and uh, to worship our Lord and God together, and we have good reason to do so. Let's start uh, our singing together with hymn number 135, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, 135. Christmas. A hearty welcome to each one, and with the beautiful music, it seems like we're in the realm of glory already. We have come to worship the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Great I Am, whose birth we celebrate today. I would like to share a series of impactful scripture verses this morning, starting with Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel, and that is translated God with us. Then in Luke 1, verse 32, he will be great, and he will be called the son of the highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. Acts 10, verse 43, to him all the prophets witness that through his name, whoever believes in him, will receive remission of sin. 
Then we go to Psalms 2, verse 7. I will declare the decree. The Lord has said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten thee. Isaiah 55, verse 4. Indeed, I have given him as a witness to the people, a leader and commander for the people. 2 Peter 1, verse 19. And so we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. John 1, verse 8. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. And then in 2 Corinthians 9, 15. The greatest gift of all is our salvation, purchased for us by Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God for his incredible gift. Today we celebrate the joyous Christmas day, the birth of our Savior Jesus Christ, and the birth of the plan of salvation. Thanks be to God for his incredible gift. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, we approach your throne of grace with thanksgiving and praise. We thank you for sending your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, and his purpose to die for the sin debt of the whole world, so that we could be pardoned from our sin and have our sin blotted out. Lord, make us mindful of the great love that you have for us, in, the, in that you left the realm of glory in heaven, took on carnal human form, and yet remained sinless so that you could reconcile us to God the Father. We thank you for birthing the plan of salvation, making us your children and joint heirs with Christ. We anticipate this inherent inheritance as our soon coming King will take us to this eternal reward. Blessed be your name, Messiah, Redeemer, and King. Amen. I have a few uh, short announcements. Please read your bulletins and pray for the various activities, needs, and concerns of the church. The service will proceed uninterrupted according to the order of service. And lastly, there will be no offering this morning, but this being the last Sunday of the year, for those that are wanting to give, there will be baskets at the exit for you to deposit your gifts, tithes, and offerings. Thank you. Let us continue singing by taking your hymnals number 563. Thou didst leave thy throne. We will sing verse 1, 2, 4, and 5. Please stand.
from the prophets. Isaiah chapter 9, verses 2 to 7. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the tramping warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end, on the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness, from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Who doesn't want a king like that? Let's turn to number 111 in our hymn books and sing, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Thank you. 
reading from the Psalms, Psalm 96. O sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him, all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. He will judge the people with equity. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exult and everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord, for he comes, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. Our next song is number 122, Joy to the World.
A reading from the Epistles, Titus chapter 2, 11 to 14. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. Waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. I'll invite you to stand and sing number 132, O Come All Ye Faithful.
Amen. You may be seated. A reading from the Gospels. Luke 2, 1 to 20. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went out to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, as it had been told to them. Shall we pray? Our dear Heavenly Father, you have sent your Son to lead out of bondage all those who call on your name, and for this we are eternally grateful. You have delivered us from darkness and brought us out to a place of light where there is rejoicing and celebration because of Jesus, who came to redeem us from our sins. We lift high your name, O God. We sing your praises. We declare your mighty works and we worship you with fear and with trembling, for you are the judge of the whole earth. Before, we, before you, we bow in reverence. Make us truly humble so that might, we might see the mercy that you have lavished upon us. Thank you for sending Jesus Christ into the flesh to die on the cross in our place for our sins for by his stripes we are healed. Hallowed be your name. 
Amen. Our next song is number 466, Once in the Royal David City, and we'll sing the first four verses. Luke 1, verses 46 to 55, Mary's song. And Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arms. He has scattered those who are proud in the inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones and has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, even as he said to our fathers. Isn't it good to hear children in church? Oh, wow. Those of you who brought children have no idea 
We are just really enjoying that. How good to hear those young voices. Uh, thank you for coming, and please come again. <laughs> well, this morning, I'm going to talk about the incarnation of Jesus and uh, why it is so important. Luke noted the angel Gabriel's words. I think we've already heard them this morning. The words to Mary, which were, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Matthew recorded that when Joseph had discovered Mary to be pregnant before they had come together, an angel visited Joseph in a dream. And the angel said to Joseph, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not, until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. The apostle John began his gospel with these words. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That's John 1.1, 1, 1. and a few verses later he wrote, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, John 1.14. We hold this to be a precious and sacred mystery, that God would come to us in the flesh, that God would become human. Another word, I've already used it, to describe God coming to us in the flesh is the word incarnation, meaning in the flesh. So why is the incarnation of Jesus important? What is it about Jesus coming to us in the flesh that is so significant? We sing about it in our hymns and our Christmas carols. His death purchased our salvation, and his resurrection demonstrated his power over death. These are the cornerstone of our faith. Is the incarnation quite so important? Well, let's, if you're ready, let's think about this together and uh, look at a few insights. Well, number one, uh, to begin with, there has been a lot of prophecy about a coming Messiah. How would, how would that be fulfilled if Jesus had not been born? Isaiah, Jeremiah, Micah, Hosea, Zechariah, all point to the coming of Jesus. The stump of Jesse, the root of Jesse, wonderful counselor, prince of peace. These are all Old Testament references to the coming Messiah, the anointed one. His birthplace, his name, his lineage, his coming out of Egypt, 
the place he would live, and the manner of his death are all prophesied in the scriptures. And if you think about it, he wouldn't, as a baby, have been able to control any of these things. These things were spoken of him in the way that they would come about. His ministry, his crucifixion, his burial, and his eternal reign are all foretold in the Psalms and the prophets. What Jesus' incarnation does is that it validates the scriptures by proving that they are true. Jesus' incarnation is a fulfillment of biblical prophecy. Another thing, Jesus' incarnation places him in human history, which tells us that he's a real person. A person's lineage was important in the history of Israel. It told which tribe they belonged to, probably brought with it a reputation. It may also have implied the kind of work one does. It certainly did for the Levites. Jesus could have descended from heaven and ascended back after he had done his work, but that would not bind him to human history or to being human. Jesus had parents, he had grandparents, he had brothers and sisters, he had nieces, nephews, aunts, uncles. Having a human lineage firmly anchors Jesus in human history and establishes his undeniable existence. God promised King David a son on the throne forever. All the kings of Judah were of the same lineage and Jesus' lineage is traced back through, his, through this line of kings right back to King David. And then back to Abraham, the father of the nation of Israel. And then all the way back to Noah and to Adam. Jesus is not an invented character. He was and is a real person. A person with a family, a heritage, and a lineage. Jesus' incarnation places him in human history and tells us that he's a real person. Jesus' incarnation <clears throat> identifies him with the human condition. Some people might say that the perfect being is unable to understand the human struggle, but you could not put that charge against Jesus. Jesus does know our weakness and our struggle because he had a human body. Jesus was born and he grew, just like the rest of us. He knew strength, he knew weakness, he knew hunger and thirst, he knew weariness and death. Jesus had a human mind. He learned things the way children learn, as they grow from infants into adults. The Bible says that Jesus learned obedience through what he suffered. Jesus had human emotions, he experienced sorrow when his friend Lazarus died and when he wept for Jerusalem. He also knew abandonment when his disciples fled from him in the garden. Jesus knew anger when he cleared the temple. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. And when those who believed understood the gospel, Jesus rejoiced. Jesus had a human nature 
and was in every respect tempted as we are. Though he did not sin, he experienced temptation in the same way that we do. After being weakened by 40 days in the desert without food, Satan tempted Jesus with food, with popularity, and with riches. Jesus even asked that the cup of suffering might pass by him when he prayed on the Mount of Olives. And all these aspects of his humanity were brought together when he experienced utter weakness and suffering as he bore the pain of torture and crucifixion and the weight of the sin of the world, the hopelessness of death and separation from the Father. Jesus' incarnation identifies him with the human condition. He knows and he understands us completely. Fourth, Jesus' incarnation qualifies him to be our substitute, to take our place. A non-human is not a suitable substitute for a human. Imagine with me for a moment a young man with a family who had stolen bread and was sentenced to time in prison. Suppose he had a friend, and that friend would offer himself in place of the young man, realizing that the young family would become destitute without the husband and father in that home. And wanting to offer a substitute in his place, he would, he would, let me say it this way, would it be acceptable for the friend uh, to offer his dog in his place on behalf of the man? Would that be an acceptable substitute? Well, we would say no. A dog is not a suitable substitute for a human because it is not conscious of right and wrong. Dogs are not moral beings. They can't replace people. But if the young man's friend would offer himself that he would go to prison on behalf of his friend, I think we would say that would be an acceptable substitute. One man's sentence is being applied to another man and the requirement of the law would be fulfilled. Now suppose the young man's friend was guilty of the same crime as the young man. Would it still be suitable for his friend to offer himself in the young man's place? Well, here, not again, because the friend actually isn't free to offer himself because both are under the same sentence. They both have to serve time if they are both guilty of the same crime. Jesus is a suitable substitute first because he is a man. The real charge here would be that a God is not a suitable substitute for a man. A God would be able to endure the human experience without pain or discomfort, and a God could put on a show that would satisfy us and cost him nothing. But this charge does not stand against Jesus because he became one of us. The Bible says, this is Hebrews 2 at verse 16, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect 
so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. Jesus had to become human to pay the price for human sin. And secondly, Jesus is a suitable substitute because he is not under sentence as we are. He is sinless. He is free to offer himself as a substitute on our behalf. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Hebrews 4.15 Jesus' incarnation qualifies him to be our substitute. Fifth, Jesus' incarnation makes forgiveness possible. How could we be forgiven if Jesus had not come in the flesh? Jesus' death is the act of forgiveness for all people for all time. His death on the cross was an act of forgiveness. When Jesus was nailed to that cross, he absorbed in his body the consequences of your sin and mine. He suffered death on the cross because death is the result of human sin. Jesus had to become human to suffer the consequences of human sin. If Jesus had not come in the flesh, we would still not have forgiveness of sins. Jesus' incarnation makes forgiveness possible. Number six, Jesus' incarnation allows us to witness the consequences of our sin and begin to grasp the cost of our salvation. Because of what Jesus suffered between the Last Supper and the Resurrection, we are able to comprehend those consequences, the consequences of our sin. Betrayal, abandonment, humiliation, ridicule, the crown of thorns, the physical assault, the hatred, the torture, nails driven into his hands and feet, pain beyond measure, utter exhaustion, deep sorrow, and just before his death, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus cried as he was dying, why have you forsaken me? He was cut off. He experienced something that you and I won't ever have to experience. Isn't that something? It's not something we want to see or think about very much. But when we begin to understand what we are saved from, it makes the birth of Jesus a more meaningful celebration. Jesus' incarnation allows us to witness the consequences of our sin and grasp the cost of our salvation. And lastly, how would we understand God's incredible power over death if Jesus had not died, been buried, and then raised from the dead? Jesus' body was buried like any other human body. His body was laid in a tomb, and a large stone was rolled over the entrance. But on the third day, he was raised from the dead, according to the scriptures. The temple guards were unable to restrain him. 
His enemies, the Jewish leaders, were unable to produce the body to prove his death. The tomb was empty and there was no evidence that Jesus had remained dead after he had been undeniably dead. Quite the opposite. The Apostle Paul wrote, he appeared to Cephas, then to the Twelve, then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time. Then he appeared to James and then finally to all the Apostles. His resurrection had been witnessed. We know the finality of death because we bury our dead in the ground, not expecting their earthly bodies to return to life. The fact that Jesus came in the flesh, died in the flesh, and rose from the dead allows us to know and put our confidence in his power over death. Let me read to you a little bit from Hebrews, chapter 2 at verse 14. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is, the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. For surely it is not angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Hebrews 4 at verse 15. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then, with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And then Hebrews 5 at verse 7. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Jesus, the eternal Son of the Father, came in the flesh, making salvation possible. And that is why we, we celebrate the incarnation of Jesus. He came to pay the price, and he alone is worthy of our praise. Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Hail the incarnate deity, we sang in our opening hymn. And listen to this awesome hymn of praise from Revelation chapter 5. This is where Jesus takes the scroll from the hand of the Father who sits on the throne. 
He can take it because he is worthy. He has paid the price to claim it. And with the claiming of that scroll, Jesus restores to the Father's house all that has been lost, redeeming those who believe in his name. And all this is possible because Jesus came in the flesh. Listen to the progression of praise in this reading. It begins with the throne room of heaven, where you've got the four living creatures and the 24 elders, and they worship. Then it expands to include millions of angels. And then finally, in the, in the third expression, it goes on to include all of creation. It raises this great chorus of praise. So let me read that for you. It's in Revelation chapter 5, verses 8 to 14. <clears throat> and when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each holding a harp and, a gold, and golden bowls of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom, priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Then I looked, and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying, to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. Would you pray with me? Our Father in heaven, we just stand in awe of you today, seeing what has all been accomplished because Jesus came in the flesh. Thank you, Father, for sending your Son. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for paying the price. Thank you for giving us life. Hallowed be your name. Amen. What we want to do now, I'll ask the ushers to uh, come in and bring some song sheets. Here's, this is my idea, this is nobody else's idea, so let's see if this will work. I'm gonna ask you all to stand, and then those who would like to be the choir to come and sit here right in the front. Now most of you, since you don't have to climb stairs, most of you should be able to do this. So let's have the men over here, and the women over here. The ushers are handing out song sheets, 
and we're going to sing Der Friedensfürst. Please stand. Men on this side, women on this side, in the front here. If, at least if you're willing to sing. <laughs> Thank you. 
Wasn't that good? To sing that again. I'm glad we didn't miss out. Would you bow with me and receive this benediction? Grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come. And from the seven spirits who are before his throne. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of kings on earth. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom. Priests to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Merry Christmas.